Hey guys, welcome back to Mountain Murders. I'm Heather. And I'm Dylan. You are. I am. You feeling like Santa Claus over there? Yeah, I hope everybody out there is uh, wrapping up their Christmas stuff because it's almost here. It is, just a couple of days away. Yeah. Are so, you excited? Yeah, today uh, we tonight we made some candies and uh, wrapped up some of the last presents. So I think we're ready. Oh yeah, we made homemade turtles. Uh, yeah. Caramel and pecans and chocolate. Yeah, and some butterscotch They're haystacks. pretty delicious. It's pretty good. This is one of the best parts of Christmas is eating. Yeah. I mean, we're not super religious. I mean, we're cool with people being, you know, yeah. whatever. We're not super of course. religious, but, you know, we do celebrate Christmas for the kids. Yeah. We so, do the Rockefeller Christmas. It's always fun to get together and hang out, eat snacks. And get stuff given to you. We don't ever get shit. Well, we that's true. We spend all of our money on those kids, and you know it. Well, yeah, that reminds me of what I wanted to talk about here in our first little couple minutes is... Bring it in, bro. Yeah, I want to see if anybody out, anyone else out there feels out this way. Um, if we had adult friends that treat us like our kids do, we would be pissed and want that person to get away from us. Yeah. Right, so if you had a friend, every time you gave them a ride in a the car, they're stuffing trash over in the side, you know, a little side pocket of the door or, or in the back seat sticking their feet up on the dash with their muddy shoes and like grinding the dirt into the dashboard yeah or they're stomping the cup holder that comes out in the middle back there in the back seat yeah and then mm. and like fucking it all up and it's all twisted and right. broken and then they don't even have the courtesy to tell you hey i broke your cup holder right or every time you get out of the car as you mentioned you're unloading like 10 pounds of trash yeah or they take your stuff in the house and like move it and just like lose it and shit yeah. And they're just like, fuck it. And then they think you're made of money. Yeah. And all they want to do is eat, and you buy them food, and then they don't even finish it. <laughs> <laughs> so really, think about that. If you had an adult friend like that, you'd be like, dude. Get the fuck away from me. <laughs> you need to get your shit together. I don't like you very much. <laughs> yeah, I want you to stop, and I'm not giving you any more rides because you keep breaking my car when you get in it. Right? Yeah, I know. What the heck? I don't know what the hell's up with those kids. I don't either. Yeah, so I'm sure someone else out there can relate. I think they should all get um, encyclopedias and some scrubbing bubbles for Christmas. So you're bringing back the Encyclopedia Britannica set? So they can scrub the bathroom after they finish doing what they do in there. And, and looking up facts and stuff? Yeah, okay. Because, for example, okay, if you want to join us on Monday evenings, I host trivia at Frog Level Brewing in yeah. Wentworth, North Carolina at 630. And we took the kids, was that last week, to play? Yeah, a week or so ago. And I was like, oh, we'll have a group of kids. They're going to they're gonna be great. You guys are going to win. And those kids didn't know shit. They didn't know a damn thing. And I'm like, what are you learning in school? You're getting extra homework for Christmas. I'll yeah. buy you a textbook. You don't even know the... Encyclopedias. General knowledge questions, guys. Stuff that you would learn in the Stuff seventh grade. Stuff you should be learning right now in school. I don't understand what these kids are doing in school. I think they're just like Snapchatting or some shit. Yeah, I think teachers are letting them. Teachers, okay. If you listen to the podcast, reach out. Let us know what the hell you're teaching these kids. Because <laughs> when it comes to trivia, they don't know shit. <laughs> they're not going to be any good at barroom trivia. Yeah, these kids are never going to amount to anything like being on a game show and winning $10 million and sharing it with me. Yeah, what the hell? And <laughs> help them fix my damn car. Yeah, okay. they broke the fucking couple. 
<laughs> okay. So now let's get now let's get down to business. Well, we are ready to present uh, two actually separate cases, and this is part of our downloads of Christmas. Yeah, twelve downloads of Christmas. This is number seven, right? Yeah. Or are we already at eight? I, I think this know. is seven. I've lost count. We're just going to keep going. But yeah, we've got a couple of more to get us through December. Yes. So this is some good cases here. This one's pretty fucked up. Yeah, that's what you were telling me earlier. Yeah. Okay. So we have to get into this. On Easter Sunday, 2018, so not that long ago, police were dispatched to a residence off Eden Valley Drive in Lorona, West Virginia. A blood-soaked woman named Rowena Cheryl Mills, who was 41, she was wearing a bloody glove and just covered in blood, soaked through and through, is found by police. She tells officers a fake name and says she was injured after someone threw her basically through a plate glass window. Oh, like in the movies? Yeah. Okay. Like she's fucking Kill Bill or something. How about the cops? Like, what the fuck? Well, they were definitely like, what the fuck? And property owners who had discovered this woman offered the woman a ride just to try to get her out of the area. They didn't know what was going on with her, but she was freaking them out. I mean, you can imagine if you're home. Let's say you live in kind of a wooded area. You've got several acres of land and some crazy bitch covered in blood. Soaked in blood. Wearing a bloody glove and shit just shows up on your property and she's acting nuts and saying she was thrown through a fucking plate glass window. Yeah. You'd probably be like, uh, let me get you away from my house. Yeah, right? but I mean, you can get in the bed of my truck. You're not getting in the car <laughs> like, right. looking like that shit. So... Cops are called because these people are like, well, we don't know what the fuck's going on. She was also carrying a pocket knife. So when the police arrive, they begin, you know, like an initial interview, trying to figure out what's going on, assess the situation. She becomes incredibly agitated and combative. While in custody, because they put her in cuffs, she's, she's going nuts. They put her in the back seat of the patrol car. She tells an officer, you have to take me back to get my heads. Oh, that's not good. The police dismiss this part because they think it's just some of her ravings. Because she's acting so out of it. Right, just more crazy talk from the crazy lady. She was also talking to someone like an invisible person called Daddy. Oh, hey. hey. I didn't know you were there, Dylan. Oh, And pretending that. that she's having this conversation with this person. So the police chalk it up to this woman is either like having a psychotic episode or she's like on drugs. Well, yeah, that's what I would be thinking. She's having a full-blown, you know, psychotic episode of some type. Until the body of 29-year-old Bo White is found on Clover Lane. Oh, my God. He had been decapitated. One bloody glove was found near the body. White's body was found inside his home. And you have to remember... Um, this woman was found on this Eden Valley Drive area, yeah. which is only about a mile from Clover Lane. And so there's like some woods that separate the two streets, basically. Yeah. And so this woman had walked through the woods and ended up on these people's property. Only like a 15 minute walk from this guy's house. Other body parts were found inside the home as well. His head is going to be found later in the wooded area behind his house. Jesus Christ. So in the meantime, they find this crazy woman. They lock her up. 
they then are dispatched to find the body of this dude. So while this Mills lady is in jail, she's talking about killing someone to inmates and jail staff, saying that she has murdered somebody. She's got this really long criminal history, including violence against her ex. She was married to this guy, Ray Hull Jr., and they have kids together. He had to get a protective order against her at some point. She had threatened him when he was picking up their kids. She had told him she would blow his fucking head off. The couple had been divorced for 10 years, yet she was still making these serious threats. Oh, God. So she just has a lot of problems. She had assault and battery charges where she had attacked a cop. Indecent exposure and public intoxication. She had also, at some point, escaped from jail. Oh, is that... See, that's a little different twist on that. Um, a woman running around showing her pussy to people? Apparently, the incident with the indecent exposure charge related to a situation at a Wyattsville truck stop. Okay. And she was ordered to never return to that store again. Oh, wow. That's pretty bad if you get banned from the truck stop. So I'm like, okay, so either she's in there showing everybody her hoo-ha. I'm sorry. I should have said hoo-ha. Or her twat or whatever you want to call it. Or her boobs. Her labia, her her vajazzled vajayjay. <laughs> I don't know. But my thought is, maybe she was a lot lizard. Okay. And was doing something nasty in a parking lot or something, and that's... Oh, she could have been making that money. And I'm thinking that because she was also employed as a stripper... Uh-oh. Wait. For some time. Don't you dare. A dancer. A dancer. An entertainer. A performer. A performance artist. Yes. Right. So she was employed at a spot called the Southern Exposure Club. Oh, wow. Which apparently is a bottomless strip club. Bottoms only? Bottomless only? Yeah. But shirts on? Bras Um, on? From what I gathered, yeah. Oh, that's weird. I think that's why it's called Southern Exposure. Oh, wow. So it's like a bush club. That is weird. Who wants to just go... Well, I feel like that's a really... um, Like a particular sort of interest. Kind of fetishy. Or something. I mean, it's one thing to go to the strip club and be like, oh, ass and titties. But I think it's a completely other ball game when you're like, I just want to go see some bush. Oh, that's just, I'm sorry. That's throwing me off a little bit. That's weird. Right. So that's why I'm I don't want to ever go to that place. No. Quit trying to act all prim and proper. You ain't no southern lady, Dylan. You don't have to act all shower. Well, I'm not. I declare. Oh, my. (laughs) Good Lord. I'm not doing that. I just want to see the titties. You know, I like. I like. um, I want to see boobs and butts. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, but like they're covering that. Well, I mean, I know what your particular interests are. So, I mean, I get that. (laughs) But I'm just saying. Here, this woman was a. Uh, dancer, entertainer, or whatever uh, yeah. at the Southern Exposure Club. A dickologist. And then she gets in trouble for indecent exposure at this truck stop. Yeah. So that makes me think that either you're right, she's out flashing the bush to people, or maybe I'm thinking she could have been a lot lizard. Well, maybe she's just coming home from work in her uniform. Which included, Which is like, no pants. No pants. <laughs> well, hell, maybe I need to get a job there because I really don't like wearing pants. Hello. Bo White was called a miracle child by his family. When he was 15, he had to fight for his life with a rare kidney transplant. 
He was described as an awkward, sickly shut-in who didn't really have much of a life outside of his home. All right. He basically just was like home, and the only sort of outside contact he had was with family or like through the internet, video games. Yeah. That kind of thing. I feel bad for both. His father, James, was a truck driver and had reportedly been having a sexual relationship with Mills for about a year. He introduced Mills to his son, and Bo White was apparently trading sexual favors with this Mills woman oh. in exchange for pills. Oh, so Bo's gotten him pills. White lived off disability, but received a lot of medication for his health problems. On the evening before White's death, Mills had texted him to arrange a meetup. So police are finding out all this information, starting to piece it together. Mills had bludgeoned White until he was unconscious. Then she cut off his head with a kitchen knife. Ah, She then stabbed him repeatedly. At some point, Mills asked a man named Joe Fleming if she could borrow gasoline and a chainsaw, but he refused. (laughs) Mills then had to use the kitchen knives in White's house to cut him up. That's tough. And the prosecutor would later say that she basically cut him like, cut him up like he was a piece of chicken. Wow. And these are with like, and she even said they were like cheap kitchen knives. Yeah. This is difficult. I mean, this has to be very difficult to do. Yeah. I don't know how how you would even, that would be hard to accomplish, honestly. Just even getting just the head off of someone's body. Yeah, and with a dull kitchen knife or yeah. like a cheap, shitty well, that's basically Walmart like $4 knife. Cutting up people with the knives we got in our ha- uh, kitchen right now. We Which, have cheap cutlery. Yeah, we do. We got some of them cheap Walmart knives. <laughs> yeah, but apparently it can be done. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> After the murder, Mills went through Bo White's pockets searching for pills and cash. She then sent a text message to a friend saying, Let's party. Oh, she must have found it. I feel like this chick needs to be in like a poison video. Yeah. She don't need nothing but a good time. Is she like cherry pie crawling all over the car or something? Dude, I don't know, but I've seen her picture and I'm just going to say she's fucking skanky as shit. (laughs) Well, she worked at Southern Exposure Bush Only Club. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't even know what kind of patrons go into this place because I'd seen this woman and I'm telling you that. I'm going to look her up. Somebody would have to be blind to want to go in there and look at this woman's okay. nether regions. What's her name? Uh, Rowena yes, Cheryl Mills. During the trial, Mills' lawyers tried to paint her as an addict who, you know, was just too weak to even deliver the blows that killed White. Her defense team tried to paint James White, her sort of lover slash Bo's daddy, as a jealous man who was upset that his son was having sex with his girlfriend. Oh, my God. She's not a track. She's... Rough trade. She has been rode hard for a very long distance and put away wet. <laughs> An equine term. Are you, are you talking like she's been rode from here to China and back again? <laughs> and, and maybe put away a few wet. more times? See, and that is the key part of wet? that statement. You did not brush her out. You know, clean her up, get her properly fed and watered before you put her away. No, this is that horse is looking rough. Yeah, I don't know. 
Wow, that must be a very, oh, we have to go there and go to the Southern Exposure Club. Yeah, I really kind of want to go there. Can, yeah. we make, can we have like a road trip where we go check it out? Oh my God, maybe we'll get some Mountain Murder friends to go with us. Can we have some bush beer while we're there? <laughs> we're going to order only bush beer. Oh my God, what's wrong with you? Okay. Okay. She was found guilty of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. Oh, Jesus. Right. So, the crazy woman covered in blood with one bloody glove had probably just came from cutting dude up. Yeah. Obviously. That's a crazy story. And then texting her friend, let's party. Yeah, yeah, just let me get a shower. <laughs> I don't know why. And this is a horribly tragic situation. But the fact that this bitch is like texting somebody, let's party. I just want to be like, who the fuck do you think you are? Nikki Six? And she's probably covered in blood when she's texting her. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? Oh my God, I bet her friend was something else too. So crazy decapitation murder in West Virginia, which brings us to a second story involving decapitation. Oh God. We're on a roll tonight. Some okay. Decapitation. Oh. No episode. pun intended. <laughs> oh. We're going to talk about the West Virginia University co-ed killings. Okay. Merid Malarick and Karen Farrell were both freshmen at West Virginia University. The pair had gone to the Metropolitan Theater in Morgantown where they had seen the movie Oliver. And this was on January 18, 1970. There was not much in the way of public transportation during this time. So many of the students were hitchhiking like to and from campus. This is 1970. Just, just after the summer of love. Yeah. Everybody was, come on, get a free ride. One well, is probably easier to get a Thumbing. ride because everybody's stopping and picking up people. Like, yeah, let's ride. Let's go. Don't kill me. If you don't, don't kill me, hitchhiker person. Well, yeah, because this was really kind of before that was a big deal. I yeah. mean, kind of Ted Bundy, you know, he was the one that really like picking up the hitchhikers and kind of made that a thing that people stopped doing. But yeah, so this is kind of before that. So this was like thumb and a ride was the normal thing. But you could really take off from your from somewhere and get across, you know, halfway across the country in a, you know, a week. Yeah, totally. You know, so, you, know you totally do it. Well, the girls were last seen getting into a cream-colored Chevy van with a man who appeared to be in his 40s. Malarick was born in 1950 in Kenlin, New Jersey. She was a Catholic schoolgirl and had attended DePaul High School in Wayne, New Jersey before attending West Virginia University. Karen Farrell, or Farrell, I don't know how you want to say her last let's, name. Let's say Farrell. She was a West Virginia native. She was born in 1951 and stayed close to home for college. Now, the two were reported missing, and it wasn't until 88 days later, in April of 1970, that the bodies were found headless in a shallow grave about 15 miles south of Morgantown. The bodies were so badly decomposed that the medical examiner could not determine the cause of death or if the cuts at the neck were even clean cuts. Oh. To know what type of weapon yeah. might have been used. Right. That's pretty important. It took four hours to excavate the bodies, which were placed in this sort of side-by-side -side position in the grave, but yet overlapping each oh, other. Yeah. And so they had to be very careful because of the decomposition and the way the bodies were laying to excavate them, trying to preserve what they could. Yeah, and also keep the remains together, you know, not yes. have them mixed. 
You know, isn't it so weird how these victims are often carelessly thrown or away like garbage, but then the, you know, people, when they find them, they handle them with reverence and like, you know, this is their remains. It's very important. And, you know, handle them very carefully. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times prosecutors will end up making deals with killers. Just to get the remains. Just so that they can get bodies because they know that that's such an important part for families. It is. And loved ones it to is. be able to have the remains. You need it to be able to bring them, have them back home, back with you. Yeah. One foot was partially exposed to view, and that's how investigators were able to find the bodies. So, like I said, it was a very shallow type of grave. Uh, Pharrell's body was undressed from the waist down, and her pelvic area was so badly decomposed, it was basically just a pelvic bone. There was no flesh left. Oh, my goodness. Now, the other girl, um, Malarek or whatever, she actually was dressed. Like, her pants, everything was still on, had been removed. Okay. But investigators weren't really able to find out because of the decomposition if she had been sexually assaulted. Oh, yeah. There's no chance of any of that evidence. One news article I found from Dominion News stated that the grave resembled a funeral pyre with slabs of stone that had been pulled from a nearby creek, and they had gathered limbs from trees and piled on top of it. Yeah. That it looked very much like a funeral pyre. Well, whoever, kind of... ha- you know, the murderer was. Some people thought this meant that it was some type of like ritualistic killing and perhaps involved Satan. Oh, could it be? Satan. Oh, my know, God. Right? And the heads from the girls were never found. They were never recovered. Yeah. The case remained unsolved until January of 1976. When a man being held in New Jersey said he was ready to confess to the crime. Eugene Paul Clawson was charged with the murders and sentenced to life in prison. However, a group has created a whole podcast exploring this case. And if you're interested in checking it out, I think I'm going to actually do a download, listen to this. It's very fascinating to me. It's called the WVU Co-Ed Murders. And they take a look at all the evidence. They, you know, interview detectives who worked the case, newspaper reporters, tons of people. And they basically conclude, from what I understand, you know, in my research, that they don't think Clawson is guilty of the murders. Oh, wow. And so they have a few other people that they introduce as suspects. It just sounds really fascinating. Yeah, I think so I'm going to dig into that one. if you're interested in finding another true crime podcast, this might be a good one to check out. Yeah, that sounds like a very, I'll tell you what, uh, it's, a, it's amazing when they, the, some of these uh, groups of people, that because it, it really does take a team, when they dig as deep as they do, get all the paperwork, go through it, hit the ground, you know, go, go do the legwork of finding people all over the country and, and getting, you know, face-to-face with them for interviews and getting their words, you know, and their thoughts on things. Uh, It's amazing. I have an idea, and I think I've shared this with you, Dylan, but I have not shared it with our Mountain Murders audience. I have an idea for a podcast that would be similar to that. Yeah. It'd be one case, but it's multi-part. Yeah. True crime, and it's a local story, and it actually involves some of our friends. Uh, Yeah. So, on down the road, you may be getting a second true crime podcast from us. Yeah, a series. Yeah, totally. Yes, that would be very interesting. that could be something coming down the pipe soon. 
that's going to be badass. Now, don't forget we have our live show coming up on January the 18th at Fleetwoods in Asheville, North Carolina. Tickets are available online. If you go to brownpapertickets.com, you can find those. We also have a Facebook event where there is a link posted in the discussion and you can get tickets there. We've already sold quite a few. If you want to come to the live show, you need to get those tickets now because I have a feeling that they are going to go quick. Yes, I have a feeling if you show up at the door wanting a ticket, you may not get one. Yeah, that's Unfortunately, what I'm thinking as well. Because which I've is had surprising. a lot of people yeah. reach out to me, people I know from out of town who are traveling specifically for the show. Yeah. From Raleigh, from South Carolina. I've had folks as far away as like Alabama sending me messages saying, hey, I'm trying to come to the live show. What the hell? I know. That's so crazy. We are going to have a lot of people there. And if you want to see our very first, live event you need to get those tickets and be there it's an early show it's at like 5 30 in the evening yeah so we'll give you plenty of time to if you have a drink or two sober up walk around in beautiful west Asheville, Eat. enjoy some of the fantastic food and we may be doing a little after party bar hopping so if you want to hang out with heather and dylan <laughs> feel free to join us for that I'm totally excited about it, and uh, it seems to be getting uh, quite a bit of buzz, and it's going to be a wonderful, fun time. It definitely is. And again, I'd like to give a shout out to our friend Melissa with Model Face Comedy, because she was responsible for getting the show booked for us, helping us put it together. I'm excited. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be wonderful. And if you can't get enough of us running our mouth, you can pop on over to Patreon and look us up and uh, get extra content for as little as a dollar. Join our little family over there. And uh, we just have all kinds of uh, different things on there. Pictures, videos. Well, and heading into the new year, 2020, we have some ideas. Some things we're planning to do to maybe uh, enhance Patreon a little bit. For yeah. The people who've signed up. We're talking about possibly doing more videos. Yeah. Live types of recordings over there. We might want to smoke out some of these local locations for some of these cases we've talked about. Yeah, we've talked yeah. about that as well. So lots of stuff in the works. Thanks for listening to Mountain Murders.